Thank you for tuning in to the Crossover Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and grows your faith. To learn more about Crossover, visit our website at crossovernorman.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Crossover Norman. Enjoy the message. Last week when I was starting to write this sermon, I, I did something a little different that, you know, I try to change it up every so often and just even how I write my sermons just to kind of keep things spicy, right? And um, I actually started working on my three points uh, before working on my introduction and conclusion. You know, a lot of writers say to do that and then you can kind of work on your introduction and conclusion and uh, I was like, well, I'll give it a try. So I wrote my three points, went great. Um, but then I started looking at my introduction, and I was like, I was so excited. I was like, man, I know I can come up with something, like, great. Like, like I know I can have a funny illustration or a great story. And, like, I'm just sitting there, like, racking my brains on, like, Lord, like, what's, what, what's going what's gonna to catch their attention? Like, what's it going to be? And, like, like, nothing was coming to mind. I was calling uh, some family members and, like, trying to get other people's ideas. Like, hey, I'm kind of trying to say this. And, like, hmm, let me think about it. And, like, none of us could come up with anything. And I was like, I took it back to the Lord. And I was like, like, Lord, like, like, what is the, what's the introduction supposed to be? What's, what's a good illustration that we can have? And he was just silent. And then in a moment of silence, he kind of just taps on my shoulder and he says, you know what, Brent? You're the illustration. Like, like your life over this thing that we are about to talk about. Like, let them know about your life experience with this situation and how big of a deal it is. And students, listen, what we are going to deal with tonight is something that I know that so many of you need. Like, like not only want, not only desire, but it's something that you need in your life. Why do I know that? Because I needed it so bad in college, but I didn't, I didn't fight for it. I have been able to have it multiple times in my life, and it's been amazing. But in college, this is something that I talk with students about almost on a daily basis. This is something that you need. This is something that you should fight for. This is something that I believe most of you desire, but maybe you just don't know how to get it. Maybe you don't know how to have it. Maybe you don't know how to keep it up, but, but tonight, my prayer is that you learn how to be a fellowship of believers, a.k.a. how do you build your community? Now, it's funny how that perfectly aligns with, with the small groups that we, are, that we are starting tomorrow. Come on, give it up for Jesus on that. I think that's going to be huge. But here's my thought, all right, and I want you to track with it, is that community has one goal, and that's to bring God glory. So just think it, I want you to have that in the back of your mind. Like, community is to bring God glory. That's, that's, that's our aim. That is what we are trying to achieve in our community, in our groups, in the people that we do life with. It should be for one goal, to bring God, glory, I wish I would have had it. I wish I would have fought for it. 
I wish I would have started one. I wish I would have jumped into one. I wish I would have just done something to have a community around me to bring God glory. Let me set some context here before we dive into Acts chapter 2. The context of today is uh, just a few uh, months before this started happening, something great happened. Is that the greatest miracle happened that our Savior Jesus Christ, He reached the end of His ministry and He did the best miracle ever. Is that He died on the cross for our sin. And whoever believes that he is the Son of God and then three days later he rose again, if we believe that, then we can have eternal life with him. He did the greatest miracle. He did the one thing that this whole Bible is about. He died for us. Three days later he rose again. And then taught him everything that he could, everything that they could handle at the time. And one of the greatest things that he said is, you need to wait because something is coming that is great. And what happens is, is the Pentecost happens and, and his followers just watch Jesus ascend into heaven and the Pentecost happens and, and they are in this house and something great happens. It was like a, a whooshing wind, a great sound happens. And the Holy Spirit falls upon each of them for the very first time. And it was a magnificent sight and it was a magnificent feeling for them. And here's what's crazy is that these followers and disciples of Jesus, they then leave that house and then they go talk to thousands and it says that they spoke in tongues. And, and what I think that tongues is meaning here is, is it was an intelligible language that they were able to go and speak to a foreign person in their native tongue in, an, in a perfect dialect, and, and they were able to tell them about Jesus. And these people are like, how in the world is this person able to speak to me in my own native tongue? Like, this is, this is a miracle, or, this, or they're drunk, is what they say. Like, this is crazy. Then what happens? Peter stands up. And he says a great sermon. And he tells them that, that there was the God on high who sent his son to die for everyone's sins. And if you could repent, believe, turn your life to Jesus, trust in him, then you can have eternal life. And it says that 3,000 plus that day gave their life to Jesus. But remember who Peter is. Jesus looked at Peter before he passed away and says, I will have you build my church. And after these 3,000 converts happened, he realized like something needs to happen and this is where the church began. And they have to have some type of blueprint on how to be able to do community and to have a fellowship of believers. And that's where we're going to start today is, is we're going to look at that blueprint. And I think that blueprint can be applied to our lives even right now in 2023 at the University of Oklahoma. What does the fellowship with believers 
look like. So let's look at Acts 2, 42. And it says this, and this is the new generation. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing in all their proceeds to anyone that had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Students, I just want to ask us this question. What would happen if our group that we are starting this week or, or a group that you have with, with another ministry or with your church, what would happen if our group started following this guideline and we came to this group holy, hungry, and humble for one goal and for one uh, reason alone, and that is to bring God glory. You took your 12 or 15 people, and y'all started getting fired up for Jesus, and you started becoming the people that you needed to be. What would happen to your life if you did everything to bring God glory? I love what verse 43 says. Verse, verse 43, if you notice, this is after They have done the three things that they needed to do in order to have the fellowship of believers. But what happens in verse 43 is it says that awe came upon them. This awe came upon them. When was the last time, students, that the awe of Jesus came upon you in such a real and powerful way that you fell on your face and you just, you just worship. Maybe you worship. You're crying worshiping. But, but you were just laying down, smack down on your face because the presence of God was so surreal in your life that you just had to fall down on your face and just say, to God be the glory. Don't you want that? Francis Chan and his his book, Letters to the Church, it changed my life. It wrecked my life, and then it changed my life. He's, he talked about a story that, that I was very, I was, I was angry at and, and I was jealous of because he had a, a, an experience that, that I longed to have. And he talks about in his book that they had, they had a, a small group that had been meeting at their house for a couple years and they actually just invited some new people in and chit-chat, eat little snacks together, and then, and then it gets real, right? They, they sit down and they pray and they invite the Spirit to be there, and then they, they start with their, their Bible lesson. And he goes, this specific day was nothing out of the ordinary. But we sit down and we pray, and prayer usually lasts anywhere from two to, two to ten minutes, he goes, but for some reason, when this dude started praying, he goes, we all just sat there. And he goes, the Spirit came into that room in such a real and passionate way that we just, we sat there shaking 
in awe because we knew that God the Father was in the room with us. And it was so intense and it was so passionate that we started popcorning prayer around and we started worshiping and singing songs. And he goes, it got so real that we didn't even want to leave the room to go to the bathroom because we didn't want to leave the presence of God. And what used to be a two to 10 minute prayer ended up being 13 hours of prayer in awe of God. And I was jealous. I was like, I want that. Like, I want to feel that type of awe in the presence of God in my life. Students, if you want to change your life, if you want to have a life that is giving glory to God, then be in a fellowship with other believers and have your one goal, your aim, everything that y'all do to bring glory to God. How do they do it? What's the blueprint that they give? First, we see here in in 2.42, it says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Now, these were a bunch of new converts, and they were having some of the other apostles and disciples leading them during this time. And it says that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, the apostles' teaching at this time is that they would be able to have the Old Testament, which was already written, and they were able to to go back and, and walk through that. But also, they had some new context because these were the people that walked with Jesus, and they heard about Jesus and all that he had done. They saw the miracles that he had been he had been performing in front of them. and they were able to give new context to new everything as well. Students, the Word of God in our group of believers, it needs to be the driving force and the foundation of all that we do. Dr. Tony Evans says in this this little uh, paragraph here that the teaching of the apostles was to give these believers God's perspective on every matter so that they could learn, obey, and experience spiritual growth and make a kingdom impact. What does Timothy say about the Word of God? Such a powerful message in in chapter 3. It says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what does that mean for us students? Let's look here, stick with me here. Is that if you do not have the word of God as your foundation and the driving force of all that you do, then you will not be taught right, you won't be reproved right, you won't be corrected right, you won't be righteous, you won't be complete and equipped for any good work. If you aren't devoted to the word of God by yourself and by your group, then you will not have these things. Now, let me ask you all a question. Now, this is... This is a real question here. If I were to pull my phone out <clears throat> right now and pull up Spotify, let's say I pull up Morgan Wallen. Any Morgan Wallen fans out there? Huh? Anybody? All right. He's like the top selling artist forever, I guess. I don't know what happens, all right? Like he cut the mullet off. Maybe he got unpopular. I don't know. Um, But if I were to pull up his first number one single right now, and I started playing that over 
uh, the loudspeaker right now, how many of y'all would be able to sing almost every word? Be honest with me, right? What about Swifty fans? Any Swifty fans out there? Okay. How many of y'all know every word to every song? All right. Guys, be careful of those girls, all right? Don't be talking about my Tay-Tay, right? What if tonight I was to say, hey, on your way out, I got some note cards, and I want you to write out all Ten Commandments. How many of y'all would feel comfortable and confident that you would be able to write out all Ten Commandments in, in order? What about if I flipped that even? And what if I said, hey, on your way out, I want you to write ten Bible verses. Maybe not even the popular ones. You know, maybe even the popular ones. Sure, let's, John 3.16 will probably be on everybody's, all right? Would we be able to even write ten Bible verses just from memory? Like, According to the, to the Ten Commandments Society, there is a society about that. Only 14% of the Christian community can accurately say the Ten Commandments. Like, anybody feel that a little bit? Like, anybody feel the, even knowing the Ten Bible verses? And we've known all for a, for a while that this is supposed to be priority in our life and we still can't even do 10 Bible verses. Let that sink in for just a second. Students, we have to. If you want to go face the enemy out there, you got to learn the Savior in here. If you want to be able to combat the world, you got to be able to know the knowledge of truth that God has implanted in his word to us. We have to devote ourselves to the word of God. What do they say? They say that when you learn the word of God, you can start knowing the God of the word. So many of us right now, like we're like, man, you know, I know Jesus and I know some of his word, but, but you know what? Like I still, have, I still have questions here and questions here and like, man, I don't know if I've ever really felt him tell me anything or felt his presence. Like I'm telling you, get into the word of God and let the word of God start doing miracles in your life. I promise you, it can change you. But how do I contextualize this? How do I bring this back to college life 2023? How do I make this a priority? Well, I'm, I promise you, you have to do life with other believers. You have to join a small group. And again, it can be here, it can be in your church, it can be somewhere else. But you have to be around other believers and you have to make God's word a priority. And you make God's word bring God's perspective over everything that the group is and you don't stray from it. Now listen, I know some of y'all are like, man, that sounds like I'm, I'm caging my life if I'm only living by the word. Listen, I promise you, it doesn't cage you, it frees you. Because everything that you need to do, if you want to live in a biblical life, everything needs to be biblically driven. How you hold yourself, you're supposed to hold yourself in a humble manner. How you treat others, how you worry, how you stress, how you celebrate. 
how you love people, how you worship, it needs to be biblically driven and biblically proven. Even how you feel about yourself. How does the Bible say that we are supposed to feel about ourselves? Everything needs to be done according to the Word of God. The devotion of the Word of God is evident in your group when God's perspective is more, imper- more important than your own perspective about your life. Your group is doing it right when his perspective is more important than your own perspective about each other's life. We need to make the word of God a declaration, not a negotiation. We declare it in everything that we do and we say and we think and we are. And we don't start negotiating, well, I'm going to give this and take this and maybe, maybe blend this a little bit. No, no, make it, a, make it a declaration, not a negotiation. What does they say next, though? It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, which is the word of God. But then it says that they devoted themselves to the fellowship. What does the fellowship mean? The dictionary says it's a friendly association with people who share the same interests. What I think, if we can turn that into biblical terms, it's fellowship means to us, it's a group of brothers and sisters in Christ who come together for one purpose, and that is Christ and Christ alone. And if you're devoted to the fellowship, to me that means loyalty. You have loyalty to the fellowship, to those people you are doing life with. How many of us in here need some daggum loyalty with some friendships for once? How many of us have ever been stabbed in the back by a friend? Raise your hand. How many of us know that some of our friends are not trustworthy? They're not trustworthy with our secrets. They're not trustworthy with our dreams. They don't really care about where we're going. They only care that we care where they're going. How many of us just want some friends? How many of us just need some friends? And we need someone to care about us and love us in such a real way. And we desire for it and we long for it. It means loyalty. You're loyal to the fellowship. How awesome, students, would it be if you were able to be committed to 10 to 15 other people and say, this is my people, this is my group, and I love you and you love me. Listen, students, if I can push anything on you, we are not called to do this life alone. We are not called to be strangers to other people. I know that the world wants to separate us, and I know that the world wants to throw many attacks at us, but God has called us to be the church, to be the body of Christ, to be doing this life together because we are stronger together than we are alone. But how do we do this? How do we, how do we, um, de- how do we d- devote ourselves to this fellowship? I think John 15, 12, it says that we are called to love one another. What if, what if the love that we have was produced by the way that Jesus loves us? We love others. Why? Because Jesus loves us. And you walked into that group that you signed up for that you have no idea who's going to be there. This is something I really wish I could have told my 20-year-old self. You walked into the room and you signed up for a group that you have no idea who's going to be there. You have no idea who's leading it. You have no idea about nothing. And you walk into that room and you loved everybody in that room no matter what they looked like, no matter what their background is, no matter how they're dressed, 
no matter how tall, no matter how short, no matter what their social status is, but you loved them because you have a Savior who loves you even though we still continually sin. And if there was a percentage chart, we are way worse off on the percentage chart than we could ever imagine. And that God still loves us. He still died for us. He still wants to be with us. And guess what? He loves that other person over there across the room that's just the same as you. What if we loved people and students, listen, like, if we love people that are different than us, let me tell you what, what, what happens. This is something that I learned later on in my, in my life, is that I started loving on people that, that didn't act like me, like me, talk like me, dress like me. They were, they were different people. And it changed my life because I started seeing something, is that they actually saw things a little different than I did. And when we would start talking about the Bible, they would actually be like, well, you know what, I've actually saw it this way my whole life, and man, it's really helped me. And they saw just a, this deep context that I hadn't even thought about, and they may always showed me a different angle about the Bible that I never, I'm like, man, that is, that is good, that helps me, that helps me be better. And then there's some areas where I'm like, man, they were like, I don't know what's going on. And I would step in and be like, man, this is what God has taught me. And they're like, dude, like that is, that is money, right? They're like, right, like that is great. Great. Like, like that helps me become the better person that I need to be. Like, imagine this, students. We are so lonely. We are so depressed. And guess what? We're also so picky. Quit being picky and start loving people. Go into the group. Love them for who they are. And listen, I promise you, there will come a point in your time, if you really give it, if you are committed to the fellowship, there will come a moment in time where you are going to be in your room and you're going to smile and you're going to say, God, thank you so much for putting people in my life that I care about, that I love, but also I feel that they love me. Thank you for breaking me out of my comfort zone that I was able to see people the way that you saw them. And man, that they're able to see me the way that you see me. Students, are the people around you right now making you fall on your face thankful that God put them in your life and that they are pushing you closer to Jesus? Or, or are you looking surrounded by people in your life and you're like, man, all they're doing is pulling me away from Jesus? Man, devote yourself to a fellowship of believers. I told my wife when, when we were about to get engaged, um, hey babe, listen, like I'm probably not ever going to make very much money in ministry, okay? And I've held that promise for 10 years now, all right? Praise Jesus. Uh, I literally have to raise, raise every dollar that we earn, all right? And um, praise be to Jesus, he shows up and pays the bills. But uh, I said, I'm not going to be able to necessarily make a whole lot of money, but I'm a little handy, and I'm going to save us some money, all right? She's like, okay, okay, boy, you're beautiful, mm-hmm. She didn't say that. She goes, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Just don't move us to Africa. No promises, all right? And one of the ways that I have saved us money is that I wax both of our cars, all right? I know it's not a big deal to some of y'all, but when you're a dad, waxing your cars, it's like planting grass. I save us a lot of money on that. Now I can't keep it alive, but it's all right. And, uh, but December, it's gonna, I told you, it's going to be looking great, all right? 
But the process of me waxing the car is I, I rinse it off, but I, I have this little thing called a clay bar. It's literally a bar of clay. You're welcome. It comes with a, with a conditioner. I spray it all over the car, and I get this clay bar, and I wipe it all over the car. And what the clay bar does, it actually takes all the debris, all the little specks of dirt that you don't see but you feel, and it just cleans off that car. And I tell you what, boy, when you wipe your hand over that, it is as smooth as a baby's bottom, all right? Not a rustled baby bottom, because those are more bumpy, all right? They just got a big old bubble butt, all right? But everybody, you know, it's got as smooth as a baby's. I don't even know why I said that, right? <laughs> but it's true. They, they got some big donks, all right? But you get your clay bar, you clean it all up. But then you look down the side of the car and you start seeing that there's some surface scratches on the clear coat. And what that takes is some rubbing compound. You put it on this pad and, man, you rub it out and you start seeing it starts taking those, those, little, those little infirmities out, those little scratches out, and it starts taking it down to the, to the good stuff, all right? And then once you get all those cleaned up, then you get your wax and you get wax on one hand, and you get your towel on the other, and it's wax on, wax off, just like Mr. Miyagi taught you. Wax on, wax off, and I tell you what, that car looks brand new. You spray water on it, it just runs right off, because that's exactly what it's meant to do. It's beautiful. It's great. I get some accomplishment from that. But I started thinking, man, isn't that what our community supposed to do? Like, aren't they supposed to be like the clay bar, and they're supposed to help us remove some of that debris, some of that junk out of our life? Maybe, maybe even like, like last week, maybe they help, us, they help us eradicate sin in our life, or maybe they have to help us just forget our past or help us live for the future, but man, they're just sitting there, they're, they're taking some of the junk out of our life and maybe pointing it out through Scripture, saying like, hey, I know you're thinking about this way, but what about if we took it this way? And they're just helping you clean up some of the parts of your life, and you're helping them clean up some of the parts of their life. But you don't just leave them there. You don't just tell them what's wrong. You don't just help them take some of the sin out. No, no, no. You start seeing maybe some of the scratches in the clear coat. And that's where you get the compound. But you start seeing that the scratches in their life and maybe the hardships in their life, and maybe the pain in their life. And it says, even in this own text, it says that they, they picked them up and they took on their burdens with them. And they had all things in common. And they helped them with their pain. And they helped them with their problems and maybe some of the knives in their back. And they started walking with them and saying, you know what, you don't have to think this way anymore because you are free in Jesus. You don't have to worry about your past anymore because God has thrown it as far as the east is from the west. Like, how awesome would it be if someone started taking on some of your burdens with you? How awesome would it be to have a group that even like they're saying here, maybe there's something going wrong in your life and they came together and they helped you with it. Maybe it could be something spiritual and they say, you know what, why don't you think that way? Because you're a child of the king. Like, like you, can, you can get through this. We'll help you. We'll pray for you. We'll come together. We'll help you a Thursday if you need something. Maybe, just maybe, just like the book says here, is that they sold some of their possessions 
And they gave financial needs to some of the people in their group. What if someone in your group, their car broke down and they needed $1,200 and they do not come from a wealthy family or have any family at all? And 12 of you gave $100 and you say, you know what? Go get your car taken care of. We love you. We, we care for you. Like, like, wouldn't that make you feel awesome to be able to help your brother or sister out just even to get their car running? Pick up their burdens and you carry it with them. Don't only, you know, community, you can't be selfish. you got to be able to give and serve. Jesus came not, not to lead and all this. He came to serve, not to be served. But you know what? You don't even leave him there. First Thessalonians 5.11 says, We are also to encourage one another. Man, how awesome would it be when someone looks at you and says, man, you are a stinking rock star. You know what you have been walking through this last month, and I've seen you constantly just give it to Jesus. Man, you have been amazing. And you know what? Your faith has helped build my faith. I am so thankful. I prayed to Jesus this morning because of how great you are. Please help me. Help me be with you. Man, if someone just walked with me, man, I love you so much. Hey, I wanted to call you. Like God just kind of brought you in my life, and man, you are man you are, you're amazing I want you to know that and like I want I want to do this life with you thank you for being my friend like how awesome would it be to get one of those phone calls and to feel the encouragement and it feels so great to give encouragement like that students when you are devoted to the fellowship you're devoted to one of two things to both to two things that others will help you grow but also that you will help others grow the best way that you can show your devotion to the Word of God is by showing your devotion to the fellowship of believers. Because what you are doing is that you are trusting His Word for His people to use the Word of God to take you from where you are at to where you need to be in Christ. The best way that you can show your devotion to the Word of God is by showing your devotion to the fellowship of people. But we're not done there. They say one more thing. We are to not only be devoted to the teachings, but also be devoted to the fellowship. Then they are to the breaking of bread and prayers. I, I think we can look at this a couple different ways. First and foremost, I think without a shadow of a doubt that every church and every group should actually take the, Lord, the Lord's Supper. I think it is special for you to be able to break the bread and drink the grape juice. Come on now, hang with me here. All right. And it's just for a resemblance that you are actually taking this in remembrance of what Jesus did for you on that cross and how he died for you and he saved you because he loves you and he wants to spend eternity with you. I think it's holy. I think it's great. I think it's something that maybe y'all should do maybe once a semester just in your group. Like make it holy, make it honorable, make it big, make it a big deal. I think it's great. But I think also, if you can look at this, I think you can also see on a bigger scale, it says that all fellowship of believers are to make Jesus a big deal in whatever they do. From food at the table, 
all the way to the sanctuary, from the words that you say to the words that you pray, from the songs you sing to the way that you worship, you make Jesus a big deal in your life. Listen, you can't control what's going on outside of this, out of this room right now. But when you walk into that room, when you meet the, the fellowship of believers, when you are in your group, you shut the door to the crazy, hectic world, and you enter the presence of God, and you make Jesus big in that moment. And his, his greatness becomes so evident in that room that his brightness starts to shine and it starts actually showing you how the outside world is not going to crush you, how the things in this world is not going to take over you, but Jesus is big enough to take care of all of your problems. You know, when I was writing this sermon, I just, something just kept on coming over me and I was like, man, you know what would be very awesome for these small groups to do? Maybe it's something that we could hold each other accountable. I think this is something I'm going to do even with some of the guys that I'm discipling. Is simply this. I'm going to ask them, like, how did you John 3.30 this week? John 3.30 says, he must increase and I must decrease. Like, how did you John 3.30 this week? How did you make God big and yourself small this week? Just think about that. How awesome would it be to have this in the back of your mind all week, like Thursday night at 6.30, like I'm going to have to answer this question of how did I make God big in my life? How did I make him increase in my life this week? Like I would love to hear the testimonies. And I'm telling you, like if you make this a mental note, if you make this a declaration, like how do I make him big in my life? Like just imagine like when you're starting to worry about something, you're like, you know what? It says to cast all my cares upon the Lord and he will make my burdens. Like, you know, I'm not gonna worry. Yeah, it's still, it's still there. I'm not gonna think about it. I'm gonna give it to Jesus. I would love to hear how many people would quit worrying. How many of y'all are dealing with anxiety and depression? Listen, I know that I'm sad right now and I know that something is happening in my life and I know that I'm down in the dumps, but you know what? His mercies are new every morning, and I know that his, his word is the, is the bread that I'm supposed to live on and supposed to give me life. You know, I'm going to make him big, and I'm going to make my problems small, and I'm going to keep on doing life one step at a time, giving God all the glory. What about friendships? You know what, Lord? Like, I'm going to step away the, from these friendships because I know that they're not making you big in my life, but I'm going to go, and I'm going to try to find this group, and I want you to find me friends. I just would love to hear the testimonies of people who are stepping away from some friends that are bringing them down and stepping into some friendships that will bring them up. Students, how big are you making God in your life right now? When you do that on a daily basis, it will be transparent in your groups and you will sit down and you will break bread and you will think about what Jesus has done for you on that cross. And when you actually break bread and when you actually drink the fruit punch, all right, fruit, whatever, it's, what's it called? Grape juice, there it is, come on. It won't be just something that you do anymore. It'll be something that you know, you know what, like I've been taking these steps daily on making you greater and myself less. And you can able, you will sit there and you'll think about Jesus looking down on you on that cross and you will just say, man, Lord God, I'm doing this in remembrance of you and I want to do this every single day in, in my actions. I want to make you great. I want to make myself less. So students, as we wrap up here, how do we, 
How do we do this thing with the fellowship of believers? We have to stay devoted to the Word of God. We have to make the Word of God a declaration, not a negotiation. You have to make it everything. You, everything that you do, say, act, feel, is done because of the Word of God. You have to hold each other accountable to the Word of God. But then you have to stay devoted to the fellowship. You love people for who they are, for, for the way that Jesus loves them, no matter what they look like, act like, everything. You go into that group and you love them. You are encouraged by them and you encourage them. And you love them and they love you. You refine them and they refine you. You encourage them, they encourage you. You trust the word of God that tells the people of God to be able to help you take you from where you're at to where you need to be in Jesus. And lastly, you need to break bread. You need to make God big in your life. How are you doing that? How are you making him increase and yourself decrease in this life?